Well, howdy there, folks, and welcome into Millennial Money. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we are joined today, as always, with Meet Kevin, uh, the the man, the myth, the legend, Mister Six Videos a Day. He can't stop. He won't stop. Nobody can stop that man. He's unstoppable. We have Graham. Subscribe. Hit the like button. Stefan, who's just you know just just a hero in, in the space. We have Andre Jick who's just a superhero in the space. I mean, my gosh, his videos are so high quality. And then we have Jeremy uh, Planeta Trece Lefebvre. And you only know that if you watch my channel. So anyways, guys, how's everybody doing? What's going on, guys? Dude, just wow. got back from Russia. What's up? How, how was your trip, Andre? Dude, you were over there for such a short amount of time. That was so fast. Yeah, it was a, it was a week, which is crazy because over there we're 12 hours ahead. So now I'm back at the different schedule and now I'm like completely opposite. So I'm trying to catch up to you guys right now. My yeah. goodness. How long was that flight? 25 hours. I mean, the flight itself is not 25 hours, but the trip itself is 25 hours. It's like, yeah, Dude, I would not in, recommend. Wow. In me, in me, Kevin's uh, hours, that's seven videos. That's seven Dude, videos. That's, you were, you were in that's, the air. That's 14, I think. <laughs> you know how much anxiety I would have of not posting during that time? I, I think I'm ruined forever traveling again. I, I don't. I can't. I can't do it. Are we still going to do the live stream of you sleeping? I think that's basically it. coming. We just need to set up a few more GoPro. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Man, I'll I will literally wake up, and uh, well, it's not. It's almost like I'm not even uh, waking up, but I'll. I'll just kind of like be like i don't know half awake half asleep and i'm like okay guys this, this is the stock strategy for today and then like i wake myself up i'm like kevin i'm not live <laughs> i've seen you in some recording live streams i could tell it's like you've been up for like five ten minutes i think you seem a little bit groggier in the nights i'm sleeping like three or four hours so it's bad like sometimes i'm like i'm dead like sometimes i get really really tired i'm still tired in the morning or sometimes it could be like 12 p.m. like market closing and I'm dead tired. Like sometimes the coffee just doesn't even work anymore. It's crazy. Have you wow. thought about sleeping? Have you thought what? about trying that out? Sleeping? <laughs> Sorry, say that again. Sorry. Um, have you thought about sleeping? Have you thought about trying that out? I thought about trying it. Uh, I, I really need to uh, do some more fundamental analysis and weigh the cost benefits. You know, <laughs> it's speaking bad. of, oh, I finally man. got into real estate though. Got the house. That's cool. Oh, and you Yay. finally announced it too. Tell us about this. Did you did you believe the April Fool's video for a sec? Nobody. The April Fool's. <laughs> I mean, anything posted April first, we can't. We know yeah. we can't believe it. Yeah, and Graham's done it first. Graham. He did the. He did the cool $30 million house reveal. But the only reason I didn't believe it, obviously, besides April Fool's, is the fact that yeah. it wasn't your style. Like, it was right. such an old tra traditional style. I was like, Graham would never buy that, <laughs> besides the fact that it was $30 million. At the end of the video, it was a good deal. I was buying it under market value. I explained how I was going to make money from it by renting out all of the bedrooms. I think <laughs> right. $2,000 a room times 15 rooms, $30,000 right. a month I'm going to make from this thing. Right. So. Could be believable. Yeah, yeah that Blue Heron house that I first showed, that was super cool. But no, I didn't buy that. I bought the uh, the normal house for 735000 which is, I think, conservative for my income. But I know I'm sure Kevin has a lot to say about the renovations I want to do. So well, yeah, what's your what's your game plan on the house? Like where I, I was trying to figure out when did you buy this thing first? 
February, which was crazy. That was right before Ooh. the Vegas market just like just dried up. It was insane. I have to say, I am concerned just like more macro and then we'll, we'll talk about your house, but more macro. I really think that uh, people who don't own real estate in, in five, 10 years, it's just nobody's going to want to buy real estate anymore. Like it's, it's just going to be impossible unless there's some kind of, you know, massive market crash, which I don't see any catalyst for. I, I think people are just going to continuously get squeezed out of actually being able to buy real estate. Uh, and and so if you people who are in, they're in. If you're not in, you're screwed. So is asset inflation real or is it just Fugazi? <laughs> uh, well, hey, look, prices are for sure going up, I, uh, no. you know, in, in stocks and real estate. But it's just going to get to the point where, like, how can somebody put three and a half percent down and even find that affordable? You know, just right. people aren't making enough money, except for the people who are. You know, you go to Silicon Valley or whatever, and all of a sudden you you go from a hundred thousand dollar job to a five hundred thousand dollar job because you're a good programmer or whatever. Well, yeah, who cares if the house is 500k or 800k you could be 1.5 million it doesn't make a difference to yeah you at that they're making, but they're moving to las vegas now so yes. they're taking that five hundred thousand dollar income to las vegas where these houses are three four five hundred thousand dollars now they're 750 and, and andre the, the market drying up in las vegas but even when you go back a year ago today the market was 15 percent cheaper on average a year ago okay. today in las vegas yeah. I think it's just beginning too. like this. See, I remember the uh, end of 2012, beginning of 2013, our housing inventory, that was the lowest point of inventory that we pretty much almost ever had uh, with the exception of now. Uh, like just as an example, my city had 80 houses on the market uh, at the end of 2012. In March and April, prices jumped 20 to 25% like instantly because there was no inventory for the spring buying season. Now we're in the spring buying season here in 2021. And instead of having 80 houses on the market, we have 40 houses on the market. So like, I would just not be shocked if, if this bump that we've seen already in real estate prices, 10, 12% is just the beginning. It, it ends, you know, a year from now, we'll be looking back at this going, oh my gosh, real estate went up another 20, 25%. Right. And wow. Uh, then you get into an, an interesting argument of potentially real estate investing being bad as a society, right? Because uh, I mean, if, let's imagine hypothetically you have a hundred houses in a city, and some you know rich guy just comes in with you know ten million dollars. He just buys up all the houses, and then he forces everybody to rent from him. Um, yeah, I mean, you could get into a, an ethical debate around housing, but then you can kind of go and you could say, well, then you just build more houses or something like that, right? But yeah, um, Dude, yeah. even the home I don't, home I don't know that they're increasing prices by like 20 percent here. It's like it's not solving anything. It's it's crazy. I don't know that it would be unethical to keep buying houses. Uh, that I, that I don't think is the problem because that's almost like saying, you know, oh, I bought Tesla stock and it went up. That's unethical because now it's more expensive for somebody else. I think that's just the market, right? That's the unimpeded market doing its thing. It's like, who's got the money? Who wants to pay the most? And and then they get in. Uh, the, the issue is that I, I feel like the opportunities to get into homes with that three, 5% down, which most people, when they start out, that's all they have. That's just becoming more and more impossible because sellers are like, oh, I just I'm going to sell to the cash guy or the 20 percent down guy. It's tough. You know, I mean, like and it makes sense. Like, why, why would you sell to somebody with a loan? You know, you're going to have appraisal issues because the market's just been zooming. You may as well sell to the cash guy like Andre. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I did. Yeah, I got yeah. cash, which I wish I didn't, but I had to. I didn't want to miss out on it. And then I got a comment on that video saying, dude, you beat me to that house. Like there was, there was another viewer wow. who was bidding on that house, wow. which is crazy. Yeah. So, so you paid all house cash in a for the house, Andre? Oh, sorry. sorry. You paid all cash for that house? I did. Yeah. 735K. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was forced to. Are you thinking about refinancing or doing anything? Get that cash back out or? Yeah. As soon as, as soon as I get my, I guess my two year mark, I'll do a cash out refi. I'll take out 80% because I would rather have that money sitting in my bank and just, or at least invest it somewhere else. Uh, yeah. Not mm -hmm. have so much. See, Kevin, I, Kevin, we're, we're, I don't want to get back too much into that ethical debate, but the one point I'll, I'll say about that is you said about Tesla stock. The thing is no one has to own Tesla stock. Families have to live in houses. I guess you could live in a tent under a bridge, right? So I think it's a little little different um, comparing stocks to houses because mm. if somebody's buying all the houses up, you know, the wealthy, right? And they're forcing yeah. the middle class just to pay higher and higher rents. They got to live somewhere, man. So Yeah, one yeah. thing that I have found that's interesting, though, is real estate rents don't necessarily trend exactly with home prices, even though it seems like they would. Uh, I think what's happening is people are becoming more and more accepting of lower to no cash flow, sometimes even negative cash flow on real estate, because there are so many other benefits that go into owning real estate. And so that's where you're actually driving up real estate values without necessarily driving up uh, rents as high. At least, I mean, what are you guys seeing out there? Yeah, I agree with this. I looked into it a while ago where real estate uh, in 2009, 10, 11 went down, but the rental market actually did really well. And rents were going up because people were renting their homes instead of buying. When no one was buying, everyone was renting that pushed prices higher. So overall, from what I've seen is that rental prices stay pretty consistent, regardless of how the overall market is doing. But still, I think there's something to be said about saying uh, with this pandemic that because so many people were left jobless that they're forced to become renters and that not naturally yeah. should increase rents across the board because it's forcing people to become renters. I mean, well, I've heard that. Happened, same thing happened in 2009 when people lost their homes to short sale, they were forced to be renters right. then. You know? well, I think, I don't know. I think the situation is going to, I don't know, potentially be worse. Listen, I think renting has a lot of advantages right now. I think in a lot yeah. of situations, it just makes sense to rent. I actually think renting yeah. would be the financially smart thing to do for a large portion of the population out there. Because when you start looking into the numbers today of buying a house, unless you're counting on the values to go up a certain amount every single year, it's just, it's cheaper to rent. There's most parts of Los Angeles are just cheaper to rent than to buy. Sure. So I actually think homeowners are the ones that uh, in a way, unless unless prices keep going up, but they're, they're paying more than they could just renting the same house instead. But there's also but I mean, even look at, L look at LA though, you get, you know, an $800,000 house, let's say in LA rents for, I don't know, $3,500, $4,000 or whatever. Even if the things, are, uh, you know, it looks like, okay, the mortgage is 4K with property taxes, insurance, and a couple hundred bucks for repairs. Even if the rent's 3,500, that owner is still paying around like 800 to $1,000 a month in principle. 
uh, they're still getting the leveraged depreciation. So even if they're, in, you know, the uh, housing market only appreciates, say, 3% or whatever, they're getting that leverage because they only have, you know, a quarter of the money of the value house in it. Uh, and, and I think that's why you're seeing that where it's like, yeah, I mean, maybe initially it's like, oh, yeah, it makes more sense to rent, like you're saying, Graham. But then when you look at all the other benefits, I don't know. I have a hard time advocating anyone rent. Uh, you know, unless they're making so much money and your net worth is so high that it's just not worth the hassle. I I, I don't know. I would have the the New York buying up in housing. It can be a better situation to rent. It can be. And especially, and, and maybe I'm talking specifically to a lot of parts in Los Angeles or specifically mm. West LA, where okay. the price of a property is so just atrociously high compared to what you could pay to rent the same house instead. Sure. I do think you're right. There are going to be those markets where you do get that disparity where it's like, look, this part of, and I'm guessing because I don't know LA, but yeah. maybe this part of LA, it's like, okay, you pay 300 bucks more a month to live there, but you go to a similarly, you know, similar kind of structure in a different neighborhood. Maybe there are certain neighborhoods where it's like, oh no, everybody over here is paying in such a way where the difference is the spread is 600 to a thousand dollars or whatever. Where it's like, ah, I don't even get my principal anymore. I'm just throwing money away. I, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know. Don't you think that'll adjust though? Potentially. Um, I think it just depends on what happens with the real estate market over the next few years. And you had a great video, Kevin, touching on the new proposal for up to what? A 40 year mortgage. Yeah. What do you think yeah. the chances are of that passing? That uh, I think is actually very high. Uh, I think that's a very high likelihood. They already have the plan uh, in, a, 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 you know, ready to go into effect. They open it for public comment, which is a bunch of crap. Basically, it's it's going to happen. Uh, and, and I think basically people who got into mortgage forbearance are now going to be able, to, who basically waved their hand, going, "Yo, I want forbearance. Give me no payments for twelve months." Are now going to be able to go lower my payment and and pay the same loan basically for forty years instead of you know the twenty seven or twenty five or twenty three or whatever they have left. Uh, and it's going to be a great deal. You know, a lot of people hear that and they're like, wait a minute, why, why would I want a longer mortgage? My gosh, if I could take all of my properties and turn them all into 50-year mortgages, I would do it in a heartbeat like that. So my payment would be so much lower. Inflation would wear that debt away so quickly. And I can make so much more money with that money, uh, investing it into stocks or businesses than I can paying down my mortgage. Now, people look at that. Oh, but Kevin, after 50 years or whatever, you're going to pay so much money in interest. I don't care. <laughs> cost but doesn't business that, gonna make way more. Doesn't that hugely inflate the housing costs though? Because then everybody's competing for the same stuff and everything's like incredibly affordable for everybody. <laughs> then you're making so totally housing incredibly yeah. expensive. So yes, yeah. it's the same yeah. thing as cars. People can't afford the cars. Here's an eight year loan instead of a three year loan. <laughs> you right. it, your payment goes way down. <laughs> you I mean, cars start going in that direction. We're going to start introducing 35-year, 40-year mortgages, 15-year car loans. You know, sure. just extend Any, everything. Anything to push things up. It's anything to push things up, man. Anything to kick the can down the road, they will do. Yeah. That's why Look, real estate it's, stocks will just keep going up forever. Yeah, it's, it's business lobbies, like the National Association of Realtors, that in times like these, when there's so little inventory, start freaking out. It's like, or we got to figure out how can we incentivize either more construction or, oh, we need more buyers. How can we incentivize more buyers when the time comes that we need more buyers? Well, the first thing they could do is they could start, lenders could start 
actually giving pre-approval letters to all the people who used to qualify that don't anymore. Now it's like they're only taking the highest quality borrowers. You have any kind of little thing that's like, oh, you're not perfect. You're just, you're not even, you're not even being considered right now. It's, it's crazy because there's such a massive supply of really qualified people, which is one of the reasons I just don't see like a big housing crash coming. Uh, but it's also weird because it's like, where does it go from here? Do, do all of the prices in all of our areas just double over the next few years? Right. Yeah. You also, you also get into a question of, you know, uh, if you think about like the United States of America, the American dream, it's always been about, you know, owning home, owning a home has been the core of that. Should that be moving forward still the core uh, of the American dream, owning a home? I think so. Hmm. I, to I totally think so. I think it's stupid not to own a home. And I, I know that comes across as blunt, but look, I mean, if I can control a $500,000 asset in America with $15,000, I'm stupid not to do that. Why would I not want to control a $500,000 asset with 15 grand? Come on, man. The thing goes up 10%. I just three and a half X my money. Like, come on. The, 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 and, and it's unique to America, because here in America, you do have those loan programs to say, here's three and a half percent down, here's three percent down. You've even got uh three percent down with with uh median or, or uh, moderate income home buyer assistance where they're paying your closing costs for you just to get you in uh into a home. It's it's nuts. Like the opportunities as a home buyer, huge. Now it's different if you're like, oh, I gotta put 35% down on a property because uh, you want to buy a five-unit apartment building and not live there. Uh, which would make a difference on five units if you live there. But anyway, different when you put 35% down. Now it's like, ah, well, you know, okay, maybe that's a different question. But because you could put so little down and control so much, you're not forced to sell when it goes down. There's no margin call. Uh, you know, you got 30-year fixed rate debt. Why not? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if it's a one-size-fits-all answer. It's maybe financially it so, but I don't think it's true for every area. Like there's, there's a good calculator in New York Times. If anybody wants to look, I'd just send it to you guys. If you I want to post them. If you just want to, yeah, it's so good. It it has all the so many of the different variables that oh, people can I just love dive that calculator. Yeah, it's That's so good. Amazing. Yeah, it's so good. So if anybody's wondering like which which is better to buy or to rent in your area, just fill in the variables, and it's it's really great. Let's For me, it. this house that I'm renting right now that I'm paying fourteen hundred, it took me five years to break even, or like at this point after five years, which is how long I've lived here, it would have been better to buy this place. So, wow. yeah, it, it, just, it gives you that break even point where it's like, well, if you're going to live here for two years, it's better to rent. But if you, if you know you're going to live here for five years, then it's better to buy it. It's a pretty so, thorough calculator. Yeah, it takes really a lot of stuff. Let's let's take a quick peek at it. If you don't mind, I'm just going to pull it up really quick. Uh, I think it's, it's worth us looking at. So one second. Yeah. Uh, that is, I'm going to go. I'm going to do this. I'm not trying to hog the screen here. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> It's gonna be easier for us to see. So what this is is okay. So what happens is you put in home price. So I'm just gonna do something that's that's similar or or something I can relate to right now. So I'm gonna put in home price. I'm gonna put in uh, five five hundred uh, five hundred fifty thousand dollars. Okay, good. How long do you plan to stay? Okay, so interesting. So they're probably doing closing costs in this. Right. Most people only stay in a home for five years. I Most it was seven years. Sorry, seven yeah. years. That's correct. The correct answer is seven years. You, most people actually, it's changed recently. It, it's, and I've confused this. It's seven years uh, is the average length of a loan. Average length of a stay, I think, has actually gone up to nine years. But I have to double check that. All right. 
Okay, we'll leave it at seven. What are yeah. your mortgage details? Let's go ahead and put this at, I think you probably get a 3.3 right now, but you know what? Let's put in mortgage insurance. So let's go to 3.9 and let's do 5% down. Okay. Uh, 30 year loan. What does the future hold? I'm fine with 3%. Uh, are, you, rent, are, go people 2%. Really getting, are people really buying homes right now with like 5% down? Oh yeah, I mean, it, really? it, people well, people are trying to. This latest market, it's harder to convince right. sellers to go for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do we want to use as the discount figure here? I would not go with four percent. This is like if I were retired, I'd do four percent. Put in at least eight percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And if inflation too? Do you want to go with that <laughs> or a little less? Put huh? twenty. <laughs> no. <laughs> is there a negative there? <laughs> let's let's go with one five. Yeah, sure. Okay. So taxes, uh, well, for this example, I'm going to go with one, two. Yeah. Marginal tax rate, uh, that's a little low if you're buying today. I'm going to go with about uh, marginal. Oh, gosh, I'm going to go with 35%. No, 35, okay. Yeah. Uh, closing costs to buy the home. No, 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 no. No more than 2%. Uh, and then cost to sell the home. Uh, that's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, with escrow and everything. Maintenance right. fees. Five five hundred dollars for the first year. No, 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 no. That's a half. No, I think it's, yeah, it's but reasonable. One percent. I think one percent is fair. One percent yeah, a year. Over the course of I'll, seven years. I'll, I'll do it because Andre said, it, but I think that's high. <laughs> uh, it depends if you remodeled it when you first went in, right? So in fairness, fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll go with one percent on that. Uh, homeowners insurance. That's pretty high. I'm going to go closer to point three. Monthly utility. Well, gosh, these are they are the amount of stuff they have in oh, here. It's good. Low, huh? It's yeah, really good. Yeah, I do two twenty, maybe. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Monthly con. No, we'll just say it's not an HOA. It would be higher, over half a million dollar house, honestly. But two twenty utilities. Just go three hundred bucks. I want to say two fifty. Yeah, three fifty to two fifty. Yeah. Okay. Uh, security deposit first. No broker fee. For, rent wait, security deposit. I would do two months security deposit. Yeah. Okay. First and last. Security deposit, no broker's fee, renters insurance. Okay. So if you it. can get this house for eighteen seventy five or lower, then it's better to rent. No way. These these right now are if you can rent a similar home for less. Uh, a five fifty home, but then again, prices have moved. So I I might be stuck in my prices because I bought I just bought a house for my dad for five hundred fifty k, so he can live out here. And uh, it's probably, I mean, but we bought it as a fixer. It's probably like a 700K house now. Let's bump it up. 700K. Oh. And it probably rent for like 2,800. Yeah. yeah I mean, so with the variables we put in here, it says uh, it says it'd be better to buy it because I, I could rent that for about 20. It's, it's low. Uh, 28, 3K for it. I think the big thing that changes this calculator a lot, my guess is right here, this investment rate of return. Yes. Let's drop this to their version, 4%. No, it drops. I don't know. I'm, I'm gonna think I'm gonna have to put some thought into this because it's basically saying uh, buying is better. Well, in well, yeah, well, it makes sense. If you lower the investment return, then that means your money is better in a house. If you up that investment to let's say twenty percent, then look at it. Uh, investment rate of return. Let's go twenty percent. Yeah. Yeah. Thirty-one. See, because then your money is is invested somewhere else instead. Right. Let's go negative. Like uh, like all of our <laughs> stocks. <laughs> no, okay. So so that's interesting. I'm going to go back to us four so, here. Yeah. Uh, but and, the and basic point is that it's not a one size fits all answer. Is, is the point. It's an interesting calculator for sure. How so? I'm trying to think of of 
maybe is it the, if we lower lower the home price or like when when does it when is it going to say that renting is better? It's the length of stay. That's the yeah. biggest variable. If you so lower that length of stay like three years, the yeah. rent price would be exorbitant. It'd be like $4,000 a month. Okay. Let me try that. See, and, and that's one of the reasons I don't like these. Yeah, you're right. Okay. It, it, it skyrockets. Like if you're going to stay there three years, it skyrockets to 3200 a month, two years, 4000 a month. The yeah. problem with that though, it, and this is sometimes why I don't like these calculators so much. The problem with that is they, uh, they're assuming all these selling costs. But they never assume what would it be like if you lived there for three years, then turned it into a rental and kept the thing long term. I don't think you could ever find find that this calculator would not say buy it. I don't know. What do you guys think? They should throw that in there. Yeah. I would love for them to see that. That would be cool. Jeremy, you got no. programmers. Fix it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that was sick. I've never I've never seen that in my life. That was super cool, man. I'm glad you showed yeah. us that. That was like I'm gonna go. That's and a cool share, Andre. Yeah, that's that's a good chair. Yeah, that was, um, that was amazing. But actually, Graham, do you guys know? Yes. So go ahead, Jeremy. Oh no, 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 you know, you go ahead. I'll, I'll ask it after. Right. I was, I was going to ask, do you guys know the maximum uh, property tax write-off cap? Was it seven hundred thousand? Right. Like no, that's that was the mortgage interest, and that's seven fifty. Seven fifty. There we go. There we go. That's like the perfect. Yeah, that that's was, the cap. That was mortgage interest, and then of course, if you rent yeah. it out. Then it's however much your mortgage is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. I, I so there's basically like so that's the max I could write off. Yeah, and, and, so here's what you would be able to do. You're downstairs. Let's say that's a thousand square feet. It's twenty five percent of your entire place. Yeah, that's your. I, I would do. Yeah. You could rent that to your S corp, and then you'd yes. be able to deduct your your interest based off that. Um, Correct. Twenty five percent of it. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, Graham, would you rather, uh, if you were to buy a bunch of properties and let's say rent them out, would you rather do it in LA right now or here in Vegas? Oh, that's a tough one. I would, I would say Vegas. Okay. I would say if Vegas. Why is that? Uh, I don't. It, Los Angeles right now has such a big housing shortage, and when you look into developing any sort of real estate in Los Angeles, there's so much red tape, and I think just overall there's a lot of potential. I see a lot of people moving to Las Vegas. So I think over the next 20 years, I see more upside there. I just don't know the market as well. Hmm. Okay. Andre, have you ever been tempted to uh, start buying some, some real estate investment properties or not really? No, I, I think Kevin was right when what he was saying for us with considering how high our income is and how valuable our time is, it's just not worth it. The only way hmm. it would even be worth it, even for Kevin with like his, extensive experience with how much he flips and how many pieces of real estate he's done. He still doesn't put his time towards that. It's still all about just stocks and, and, and YouTube and everything else. So, and because I don't have that experience like Kevin and Graham do, I just, it doesn't, it would not make any sense for me to go out there and try to learn and make those mistakes. It, it's better to double down. Double down aren't, there companies, aren't there companies that can just manage your portfolio for you and oh, handle man. all the, like the, you know, management? You mean yeah. for well, flips or for what? No, for, for renting. Aren't there companies that are just like, you know, they, they do all the work for you pretty much. You don't have to, well, you have like, to find the deals. Involved. Yeah, but you got to go out there and find the deals yourself. And then that's a lot of time. Mm, yeah. I see. I, I don't think it'd be worth it for any of us to do right now. Well, <laughs> and, and honestly, finding a, a manager that's going to manage it like like an owner 
uh, and then not charge you a fortune is so tough because the cash flows have gotten so low in many areas because of all this competition that, uh, you know, manager comes and goes, oh, okay, yeah, I got to charge you 10% a month and then we'll coordinate the renovations or whatever as well. That's a lot, you know, especially if Actually, you're close to breaking even or something. To add that on, ugh, it's a lot. Oh, my friend Ryan Pineda, he's a real estate guy out here too. He actually did it in a pretty clever way and I wanted to do something similar. He bought a mm -hmm. bunch of property in California. I forget which city it was. It was like a vacation town um, mm -hmm. near a lake. You guys would probably know it. Uh, and Big he bear? hired somebody. Yes, yes, that's what it was. And he hired somebody and he's paying them like, honestly don't remember but i'll say the range between 40 to like 70,000 a year and they yep. managed all of that for them and so well, like that's one way to do it if you can have your own company that's another thing yeah. you know like if you have a portfolio that's large enough to where it's like oh let's just have our own manager do it well of course yeah gosh then the cost per property plummets you know <laughs> last thing right, you want right. to do is pay a percentage of rent uh you know, but i'm guessing that's the ultimate end goal is the ultimate yeah. you know it's just a portfolio yeah. of stuff so it's and then you're running a company. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy though. I mean, there's there's a lot of despite real estate prices moving the way they are, it just seems like uh, they they're not stopping. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, what uh, you know, Andre, earlier you you had mentioned that you thought things are going to get worse. Did you mean prices are going to go up more? Yes. Yeah, I do think. That. Yeah. Now I yeah. yeah I mean, it just what, what just do you based think, on uh, Graham. Uh, I would say I think there's a there's a chance we could actually see housing weakness actually in the back half of the year. Um, I really do. Um, later, later, though, I'm talking about maybe like Q4. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. I don't know. I feel like there's been a lot of pull through in demand. I think there's still pull through in demand. Um, but I have some real question marks about Q4 and if this is sustainable or if we're going to start seeing new housing start slow down in a major way and maybe sales um, cause I just feel like we've pulled forward a ton of demand, like a ton of people that, uh, you know, wanted to move have already moved. We see interest rates still, you know, climbing a little bit here and there. Um, never mind, you, you know, what about next month and the month after and what happens if interest rates get back to, let's say, you know, 3.5% for an average mortgage or 4% dare I say. Um, so I don't know. I, I have real questions. I'm thinking 4Q should be real interesting. What about you, Graham? Yeah. The issue, though, is the construction, the cost of construction and materials is just everything is delayed. Still, I have not mm -hmm. gotten the refrigerator yet. It's scheduled, by the way, April 16th. Scheduled, wow. that's what they say, right. from, from November. We'll see if that's actually the case or not. But I'm, I was reading online, someone was saying that lumber prices have like more than doubled over the last like yes. few months. Uh, the cost of steel has just gone through the roof. And that's going to impact the pricing that we see of the, the housing that's being built today that's going to be finished six to eight, ten months from now. So this could carry on, I think, for another year easily. Jeremy, Jeremy I want to now. why aren't you drinking some of this stuff? Oh, what? You saw that? <laughs> what was that? Gosh. What was that, Andre? I was going to ask you, is um, the price of steel and lumber, that's, that's not factored into consumer price indexes, right? Oh, that's a, I don't believe so. Uh, consumer price index is such a unique, uh, specific basket of kind of like what the everyday consumers buy. I right. don't know if that's in there. That's a good question. Uh, that might how, show how, up more in like producer inflation, you know? Right. Because when we're talking about inflation, I mean, that I feel like that's a pretty important part that we're missing when we're talking about no inflation. Like, oh, don't worry about it. 
It's like, yeah, uh... and it's tough because, you know, it, it always it goes back to the, the supply issues like it, or at least the way the global economy works is when prices go up, more people are incentivized to make and produce. And, that, and then it comes, you know, like how many more refrigerate, like all these refrigerators that, that people are buying, like manufacturing is probably ramping up as fast as they can. And, and companies are probably right. like, yo, hiring new right. refrigerator door handle installers. But then people like, right. yo, I'm making my $300 boost per month. <laughs> <laughs> you know, right. I, I, I'm just, I just feel like supply and demand is a mechanic of inflation. It's, 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 it's not, the two are not inseparable. They're, they're one and the same. It's, it's, a, it's a part uh, of inflation. Well, but the, the difference is in the timing and the forecast. So sure, it absolutely will have that inflation short term of, of prices going up, just literally prices going up. Uh, but I, I think in the long term that that trends back down as the supply issues go away. And then the question is, do people just get used to the fact that prices go up every year? Uh, and, uh, you know, lately, the last decade plus, uh, actually, probably since like the 70s, it's just been declining prices. It's it's so weird. And, and it just feels like it feels unsustainable, you know, over, over like how, how can we sustain asset prices going up like this, uh, housing prices going up like this? It just, to me, I think all that's going to happen is the rich are going to get way richer and the people who are not investing are just going to keep getting poorer and poorer and poorer and poorer. Uh, and then at some point in the future, taxes are just going to have to keep going up uh, to to support uh, like a universal basic income because the case shape destroyed everyone else who didn't invest. That's why there's plan B. <laughs> okay, I, no, you pointed it, at yourself. I'm like, Plan B, like the morning after pill. <laughs> like, what? No. <laughs> what? How do we get to that point? No, Bitcoin. Cryptocurrency, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, even with crypto, like, see, one of the things that I have got is like with real estate, I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe I'm just so much more used to the real estate, but. We don't, I mean, I don't know. Can, what, what if we do see a, a, a big old crypto crash, which I don't want to happen, right? I've got all that. Uh, I've got a bunch of money in, in crypto. But uh, look, have you seen the profit Coinbase is driving? Yeah. No, no, profit. I, I saw yeah. revenue. No, it's, Massive revenue, it's yeah. insane. Their profit last year was like <laughs> net 30, uh, like 27% net. Okay. Wow. Q1 is like 40%. Uh, to potentially as high as 44%. They gave a range. It sounds right. insane. Right. Yeah. They are making hand, money hand over fist. Like, like I'm like, why Why do I bother looking at the financials of C3 AI that isn't projected <laughs> to like create a profit in the next four years right. when I could just Better, buy yeah. Coinbase that's printing tendies hand yeah. over fist? Yeah. Hey, Better hey. buy the shovels. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin. Yeah, that's why, uh, you know, Brian and I were talking about this today. Uh, this could make us even more bullish on Voyager, you yes. know, because yes. yeah, Coinbase is it making this type 30 of money. today, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, imagine how much, you know, uh, Voyager is going to be potentially making. They're not going to be far behind. Um, obviously, well, Coinbase thought, is big uh, dog. But. What's the barrier of entry for creating a brokerage like Voyager, though? Is there a chance of a bunch of other ones? Because I feel like part of the reason why Coinbase is so successful is because they were the first of the game and they did it right. They're kind of like the Apple, right, of the crypto yeah. world. So I don't know the barrier of entry if there's a bunch of other Voyager-like companies that come out and do the same thing. I don't know. How does that affect it? it? 
Yeah, but here's the thing, Andre. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, who's actually going to be successful? You have to get all the legal, the regulatory. You have to get your whole team in place. You have to launch. You have to, you know, build a customer base. Um, and it's going to get harder and harder now. You know, I feel like, you know, Coinbase. I think it's going to be easier. It's going to be easier because we're going to get favorable regulation within the next few years. I think it'll be easier once these old people start to understand the crypto world. And they'll actually write I, I, I make an argument that it's, that it's going to get harder. I think it's yeah. easier when you're more unregulated. I think once things get more regulated, it's going to just be a, a bigger, the bigger guys win even more. I'll be completely yeah, honest. Have, imagine Fidelity and Charles Schwab. All yep. of a sudden, they have a ticker. BTC and you literally could go and buy in. They hold it for you, but you could withdraw it on your own wallet. Yeah, that's that's where we're going. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Does that. that's, yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Doesn't that go against Voyagers though? Because all these other great companies are going to be doing the same thing. Uh, I don't know. There, there's such a huge it's, market for it. If I want to buy Bitcoin, why would I buy from an unregulated exchange? I want it to be as big as Coinbase or like a Fidelity because they, they do follow the rules. They do have those licenses. So, you know, that's my point yeah. is like with a more regulated market, I feel like people tend to go towards the more regulated companies, especially in the crypto space, because we're perceived yeah. to be such a sketchy industry. You well, want to be safe. Yeah, I think Voyager will fit that bill because they're a public company. Um, I think Coinbase going public is a really smart idea. There's like a, a level of trust you have when it's a public company and all their filings have to go through the SEC. Um, right. I think there's a level of trust. That's, a, a, you know, I set up a Voyager account and that's the main reason I did because I was like, well, this is a company I can invest in. There's like a level of trust there versus something you, you never really heard of or something. But right. yeah, I think as regulation comes out, I think if you're thinking about new companies coming in and trying to compete, I think it's going to make it more difficult. I think if you just look at industry by industry, the more regulation you, you tackle on, the more the big guys win because they have the legal power to have law firms behind them and, and figure all this stuff out. And the little guys like, I can't even imagine how to start that. The big thing is going to be if cryptocurrency is treated as a security instead of as a currency. And it I is. think that, no. that's where the gray area is for a lot of these little tiny tokens. Technically, it's not a security. So, you you know, so people are pumping these things up left and right. And it's it's a currency. It's but, a commodity. <laughs> right. But te technically, I mean, this, these I think a lot of these are really treated like they're a stock. They're, they're, they're treated like, you know, an investment, like an asset that you could buy for the purpose of, you know, that, that's for where sure. I think going to go over the next few years it's going to be a big debate well it's either way i think we're going to get an etf in the next few years and when that happens i think that the odds of what kevin said before in his video with with all the domino effect happening i think that that's lessened as we increase the market cap and and the price is stabilized and we don't get these 50 percent drops in a day so well yeah. so but so an interesting thing that that could happen to you so first of all i think a rising sea lifts all ships, right? What they say. Right. I, I think Voyager, Coinbase, they're all going to win. And more regulation, sure, might make certain things more difficult. But what happens with more regulation is at some point you're going to get the, the people today. I won't use a defining word here, but all the people today who are like, oh, Bitcoin, I don't invest in that. You know, like those people are going to become more open to the idea. Yeah, having <laughs> some of their their portfolio exposed to cryptocurrency uh, when the regulation is there, and and that could really boost the total addressable market for for all these companies. Uh, but uh, and and what Graham says too is so right. I mean, right now because they're considered currencies, you can 
like some of these these coins get pumped up like crazy. If somebody wanted to create a fund, like, oh, let's do a, an investing syndicate and go invest in currencies or coins, or let's go make a coin, no problem. Currency, easy. Tiny, tiny regulation. You want to do that with real estate or stocks, you're going through the SEC and you're waiting six to 12 months to do anything. It's a disaster, right? Sure. You know, SEC attorneys, all that. Anywho, uh, I, I think my, uh, my optimism here is, is strong, but I have a concern that here's another potential downside. So pension funds got to hit, pension funds and hedge funds have targets. They got to hit certain rates of returns. What happens when these high rates of returns on cryptocurrency go down? Like we've already seen that BlockFi, we're going to see everywhere else. The rates are going to go down that they pay us on a stable coin. A stable coin should not be paying me 6 or 8%. It should be paying me zero in theory. You know, if there was no risk, it should be paying me Correct. zero or, or maybe 2%, right? Uh, when those returns go away, I think we're going to get even more creative derivatives and, and leverage options. That's kind of like the same crap that we just saw with that Archegos. You guys follow that story? The hedge fund blow up? Yep. The guy's like eight yeah. to 20 times leveraged. That was insane. Burning these banks for billions of dollars because he what just was the, what took was the, the same collateral. So what was the collateral damage? What was the company that went down as a result of Credit Suisse, right? Or what was Suisse it? lost like $4 billion. Goldman yeah, yeah, yeah. Sachs got nipped. Uh, <laughs> J I think Deutsche Bank lost some money as well. Morgan Stanley got out before everyone else. It, Kevin, it, it, you, yeah. you know, you, you were jealous when you heard that story. Be honest. When you heard he was eight to 20 times leverage, <laughs> you were a little jealous. Be honest. No, actually, I, I will. I'll be very honest. So one of the things when it comes to, to margin, I think it's a fair thing to bring up, but I had this, um, I did this, I'll, I'll show this to you guys really quick because I think it's really, I, I mean, I thought it was cool, but it was just shocking to me how high margin can be, be scary. Uh, let me pull this up really quick here. Look at this. So I just did an example here of if I go 100% leverage into Robinhood and the market falls 40%, I already get margin calls. And so like, even if the market falls third eh, and not, not quite 30%, if I'm a hundred percent margin. So for every dollar I have in the market falls a dollar or sorry, every dollar I have in, I have a dollar of margin market falls 35%. I get margin called. If I went in with, let's say 800% leverage and the market fell, let's see, uh, 5%, I'd get margin called. Huh. It's like you would get margin called so freaking fast. When you have Why so would that dude have leveraged so much? Why that seems so careless. Yeah, yeah. Why would he do uh, that? I'm so confused. Greed. Oh, when you have billions dollars worth of stake, like why would you risk so much of your fortune on such a, I don't know, likelihood of that happening? Diamond hands. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think margin's scary. Uh, you know, it's it's something where one of the things that I've recently been thinking about doing is just literally having no margin and potentially just using, and I hate this idea, uh, but I've considered it, potentially just using option plays as as my leverage because 100% margin, like I could get that two to one leverage with margin or with options. The problem with options is I'm going to pay those taxes at some point within the next two years, which really sucks. With stocks, I don't have to. Uh, so I'm always going to get screwed one way or the other, but, uh, with, with options, if you only had options and no margin, I mean, your margins will go to zero really fast, but they could come back when a market recovers, but at least you're not getting margin called. 
Why not just do twenty five percent margin? Your it's options will expire worthless. Well, okay, so a couple things there. So why why not just do like twenty percent margin or something like that? Right. So, yeah, I'm at twenty three point four percent margin right now as of the latest count. I uh, I I I feel very comfortable around like twenty twenty five percent. In fact, uh, I would feel extremely comfortable if I had a portfolio kind of like you do, Graham. Which I think, and I don't, know, but I'm pretty sure you're mostly like index funds. Uh, and whether you are or not, yeah. the the point there is. The more you are in an index fund, the less like, I mean, look, what's going to go down 40% faster, the S&P or Tesla, right? So when you're super heavy on something that moves so crazy, you've got a lot more margin risk. And so the less diversified you are, I think the less margin you should have. But look, I, I, I mean, I don't know. One of you guys said it, I think, while I was looking at this chart, you're like, why, why risk it? Why, why bother? Like, there's enough there. Like, just pay off the margin and just let it chill. You know, that's kind of where I, where I'm getting to. Yeah. Do you think that you think that they'll regulate margin? Do I think they'll Sorry. regulate margin? Margin is yeah, regulated. Think... Not at yeah. what degree? Barely. Barely. It's a, right? to what degree? Is How much experience do you have? Oh yeah, I'm an expert. <laughs> <laughs> What's your long term plan? Growth. <laughs> it's like here you go. Here's five times margin. Congratulate with the confetti coming down. <laughs> You've unlocked the next level. <laughs> Good luck. You know, it's 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 a joke. The whole thing is a joke. Yeah, yeah mo most uh, brokerages will only let you go two to one, though, Graham. You know, maybe mm -hmm. maybe they'll let you push a little above that. I don't know anybody that lets you go really above two to one. I um, know, but even, but even but even two to one. On some of these like meme stocks or really speculative plays, I mean that could that that leverage is insane to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, Kevin, with the option strategy, yeah, I don't know how well that would work because also you you run the risk of your options expiring worthless, right? You know, if it's not mm, yeah. So here's, here's the, the the thing about the the options. So let's say I do a, a long call on on Tesla, uh, which I actually have like a nine hundred dollar call on Tesla. So uh, I, I don't remember what the exact pricing is, but let's say, let's say it's like $200 uh, for, for the option, uh, you know, when Tesla was like $800. And this is a 2023 expiration. When, when the market fell the 37% or whatever here in, in the last few months, those options, because of the implied volatility and just the options trading, the, the mechanics, that, that $200 could basically be worth like 50 bucks. Like I just lost like 75% like that. I mean, mm -hmm. in theory... You know, if Tesla fell like 50, 60%, this option will go to like 99% loss, but yep. I still hold the contract, right? So now as, as Tesla's going up three, 4% a day or, or the last few days it was, today was pretty flat. I'm seeing that option contract and it's like plus 15%, plus 15%. So mm -hmm. I, I think, sure, there's that risk of it expiring worthless, which is a big, big, big risk. Uh, but it's it, it, hopefully, at least in my opinion, long enough out to where it, it'll be okay. And that's the hope. But there's a big risk because what ha happens if you buy long options today in 2021 and you're like, I'm a diamond hand these things. And now all of a sudden we're like summer of 2022 and your options are expiring January 23. What happens if right there you go into the start of a two-year bear market? Yeah, your yeah. options are worthless. You're screwed. Yeah, right. yep. you, you so that's an interesting idea, Kevin, because you're you're talking about buying them way in the money, which I think is interesting. Because usually, if I'm going to buy calls, I'm usually buying out of the money, but a little bit out of the money. 
But actually what I like to do, if, if I'm buying calls, I like to look a little bit more around like the safer stocks. Like I was looking at Walgreens uh, options a few months ago. Um, I have some Dropbox call options, anything that it's a, a lower PE that still has growth. Um, yeah. I think those ones are intriguing that the, the high growth stocks are really dangerous. I'd rather just own them straight up, to be honest, like a yeah. Shopify, Tesla, because those ones have such high valuations, like it could easily not move for a year or two. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Um, yep. but if you're buying Tesla them way, at like 250 forever. <laughs> yeah. But if you're buying them way in the money, I can definitely see that being a, a pretty interesting strategy. And that's something I've never done, but I, I like it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The out of the money ones, uh, you like getting a really expensive call uh, or, or a really expensive high, uh, higher price in the future and speculating on that growth. Mm -hmm. Very, very risky. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. I think if you uh, if you put like 10 or 15 percent of your portfolio into options, that's maybe like my that's my limit. If, if I had half of my portfolio in options or I'm like a trader today, you know, I just got into stocks and I got, you know, 50K or whatever, $25,000, and I'm all options. Oh my gosh, you, you're you losing sleep like crazy during these fluctuations. <laughs> One day you're you're a king and the next day you're bankrupt. You know, it's it's crazy. 100%, man. And, and you know, especially when, you, when you have, you're in a stock and it keeps going down, like, especially if you're newer to the market, you're, you, you really want to start pushing options because then you're like, I want to get the money back. I want to get the money back. Okay, options, I can make more. And I got to say, like, I even fell into that trap a little bit with GoPro where I started, you know, back in 2015, 16, I would start buying like call options because I was like, oh, I, I got to get, oh, now it's so cheap. I can buy more. And it's like, you run into a lot of, lot of troubles with that, man. So uh, yeah, yeah to, all, to all new Holding people, the shares, I think is unsexy, but it's just the simplest way to go. Yeah. You believe mm -hmm. in that company, buy that company and hold the thing like, like an Etsy to me. Am I ever going to dump my Etsy? No plans <laughs> at all. Just buy it and hold it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Great call on Walgreens, by the way. Oh, thanks, man. It, it's coming. It's coming. And <laughs> more and more. What? How's it doing? Yeah. Jeremy yeah, last week was saying for Walgreens that either it was going to be going up a lot from earnings or it was going to be going down. <laughs> I think he said it, you're going to buy more. I mean, that's that's the ultimate prediction, guys. It's like it's either going to go up or it's going to go down. <laughs> between, guys. And Jeremy's prediction came true. It went up uh, a lot more than what I expected, by the way. I think my my yeah. average buy-in for Walgreens, I think, was about forty-seven to forty-eight dollars. Oh, that's high. Why so high? I uh, got in late. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, Kevin, Walgreens is something I actually did uh, some margin on when I was buying that one. Um, and that's when I look at as a kind of a low risk margin play, because I know we were talking earlier about margin and, and you know, yeah. do you want to margin on stocks? Something like a Walgreens, when I was buying that, it was at like a Ford P of eight or whatever. Right. And I'm like, you know, putting all things together. I'm like, turnaround play. They're going to be giving out the shots, like all these different things. And I was like, for that, you know, even at that time when I was at like a three or four percent interest rate before we had talked, and then I got down to one point five percent, I was yes. like, "That's interesting from a margin perspective." You know, higher growth stocks, yeah, man, you can get that double up, triple up, and it's like on margin money, and you're like, "Ooh, I just, you know." But it, it, it you run those risks, man. It, it's it's risky, and it's it's you know, it's hard to sleep at night sometimes if you're heavy on margin on those high well, growth. And, and that's I think the the key right there is like if you're gonna go all in on growth tech you know, high beta, high multiple stocks, uh, just have, have no margin, 
and then you don't lose any sleep at night. In fact, the easiest mm -hmm. thing I think somebody could do, like let's say somebody's like, I just want to go 100% in on Tesla, like all in, right? Like fine, but then have no margin. And then if Tesla feels too high for you right now, go put it into an index fund. Tesla falls, sell your index fund and buy more Tesla. You know, there's, there's an easy stress-free way to transition if you wanted to. 100%. Yeah, Graham and Andre, you guys have never bought any any options in any stock ever, right? Just to make sure. Uh, I've done covered calls. You've done covered calls. Okay. Yeah, I've sold on like, yeah, I, I was learning about it and it's kind of an interesting concept. I was trying to figure out some data, whether I could just have it as sort of like an extra dividend because it adds like yeah. one or 2% yield to your yearly income, but it's a lot more of an active strategy and I don't really care for doing that as much. And I mm -hmm. saw some research, I don't remember, I, I saw something that said that long term, you're actually going to end up losing money doing that. I forget the reason why, but, and I don't know, maybe you guys can elaborate, but I don't know how bulletproof it yeah. is to just sell, you know, covered calls. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I know a lot of people that make good money on it. I remember Jack, when I was over at Graham, when I was over, uh, we were doing the podcast, Jack kept telling me I need to do covered calls and, and uh, what is it? Uh, selling calls. I can't remember what he was, he was telling me. He was like, Oh yeah, you gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta do that, man. You can make so much more money if you're doing this. I think you should really do this. <laughs> By the way, I, I wish you could explain to people watching what is even a covered call. I'm not the best person to have explained this, but if you guys have experience with it, I think people should, find out what it yeah. is because most people know yeah if you're like selling a covered call so let's say you own uh, a security right uh well a security meaning a stock so if you own a stock you could essentially um sell a covered call on it where essentially let's say the stock's at 50 dollars, and you don't think the stock's going to go up that much but you still want to hold the stock you could sell a covered call that's at like let's say a strike price of 60 dollars, right and um you make the premium on that the only trouble is if that stock goes up a bunch, the basically the one that bought it is going to get all the, the potential upside after that. So you don't usually want to do it on most high growth stocks. I thought about doing it actually on Tesla when Tesla was 800, 900. Because I was like, ooh, it's, it's getting up there. And I thought about it. Um, in, in hindsight, it would have worked. But the, the danger is then Tesla goes to 1,200, 1,300, 1,400. You don't really get that upside. Yeah, sure, you made the premium <laughs> on selling that covered call. Oh, no, there's there's an easier way to explain it to people because I, I think like even okay. even knowing what it, how it works that was really confusing. So okay, basically, the, the basic gist of it is you are making money by and, and the way that I was doing it is I was doing it with very safe stocks, not Tesla that are very very volatile. Yeah. You know, like Apple, which is not going to drop. You know, twenty percent or whatever, five percent in a, in a day. It's 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 going to be relatively stable. And so if you have a hundred shares and that's the prerequisite, you need a hundred shares of something to be able to do a covered call. You're basically, I was basically taking these safe stocks and letting people borrow these safe stocks and collecting a small premium. Uh, and the bet that I was making was that Tesla, I'm sorry, Apple wouldn't go up or, or, or down substantially. And, it, and that's all I was making very safe, extremely conservative bets, lending those shares out and because those bets would work in my favor, because they're so conservative, I make a small, tiny percent. And by doing that for the whole year, I can, in theory, farm an extra one to two percent earnings or, or, or income, basically, and passive income. And that, that's kind of how it works. But Jeremy was going more technical with it, which, but, yeah. But yeah. I apologize. Yeah, options can get confusing, man. And when you're trying to explain it fast, you know, but um, 
yeah, I mean, it's a way people make money. And some people like that's their whole like main focus in the stock market. Like we've got people um, you know, on the group that literally that's their main thing. Like that's what they do 80% of the time. And then they're only buying stocks like 10, 20% of the time. So it's crazy. It's like my problem with doing that stuff is you could be successful with it, you know, nine out of 10 times. It's, it's like, it's like gambling, right? You, you can have a really bulletproof strategy, but all it takes is one loss to wipe you out. That's the problem is like, you could seem like a genius for, for years. Like, wow, this guy's so successful. He's so smart. But then one mistake, one screw up and you could get wiped out. So it's, it's hard yeah. to tell like on a short term basis, who's really smart and figured it out because on a long term basis, they could lose all of it. You, the only way you could really get wiped out though, is if that underlying stock you bought, I don't know, goes to zero. You know what I mean? And on a stock like Apple, that's a very low probability of that happening, yeah, right? Yeah, I was dealing with very conservative stocks, but I'm just saying like yeah. options trading, day trading in general. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, the thing is with options, you go down that rabbit hole of then you kind of like get bored and you're like, oh man, do I really just want to sell, you know, covered calls all the time? Or, oh man, right. there's a stock I like, you know, you kind of start going down that, that rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah. yeah, next thing you know, you're going uh, margin calls or whatever. <laughs> you end or, up you archipelago. Was it, what's was what's it the most dangerous strategy? There's there's a super dangerous strategy um, when it comes to options. I think it's uh, what is it? Selling naked put options. I think it is where you right. have unlimited loss potential. Oh, it's a disaster, man. <laughs> <laughs> it is a disaster. But anyways, um, yeah. So Graham, you've never done an option play, right? Now I'm planning to do it on the vlog channel. This is a family. So we'll make an episode of it. I'll do my first ever options trade. Never done it before. You should though. do covered calls. Just do what I did. Super safe. All right. No, listen, I'll yeah. give it a shot. I'll give it a shot yeah. and then I'll throw a thousand dollars into something stupid. So well, you need a hundred shares of it. So whatever that is. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'll do something stupid with a with a thousand dollars. All right. Like buying a car. <laughs> Wait, well, how much was it? I love the ball was, I, I used it <laughs> on car in that April Fool's video. I literally, I left it here as I was driving up the street and I opened the door as the car was driving and I ran out of the car while the car was still going. And then Jack was hiding behind another car, jumped into that car to stop it from hitting anything. Oh, risky. Perfect. You look like Tom Cruise in that, Graham. I was like, holy <laughs> smoke, I'll be a stunt double at some point. So, so I said, get... oh, go ahead. No, no go no. ahead. I was going to say, I sent that video to my parents, Graham. They were, they were actually driving out here to Vegas. And uh, I guess my mom played it while they were driving. Oh. And um, I guess my dad was like, uh, shut that, shut that off. All that guy does is complain. I guess he didn't get to see the part where it was actually an April Fool's joke. Oh, no. They're like, all he's doing is dragging our, dragging our son around, and he does, all he does is complain. What a Debbie Downer. You know <laughs> and, then, and then when they got here, I'm like, no, you guys missed it. And I played him the last two minutes of the video. And then they're like, oh, my gosh. They were like, he got us, man. He got us. The, the problem, I think, with that video, I've never had a video before where I've had negative subscriber growth from a video. <gasps> I got a lot of people unsubscribing after seeing that video. I thought, yeah, I think my lesson here is that I made the video too long. And I, I the, the average view retention on that video is not so great. So I think mm. people get to the halfway mark and they're like, all right, I'm done. <laughs> and they don't By the way, which, which video is this? The April Fool's video. Oh, okay, got it. Really? That's like jokes, yeah. 
I, you know what, where I got negative subscribers was my Tesla has radiation April Fool's video. <laughs> that, <laughs> uh, that was fun though. Come on. I bought a $500 radiation suit for it and I lost subscribers on it. I don't get it. I got some people saying like, Graham, I don't have time for this. You're wasting my time today. This is <laughs> yeah. funny. It's like, it's April Fool's. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, I had I had similar with people saying like, "Oh, you, this guy's just flexing on us now." Ugh, you've changed, Andre. Why would yeah. you? Why would lifestyle inflation? Lifestyle inflation? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Speaking of lifestyle inflation, what what is it with you going through this house that you bought and now wanting to remodel it? <laughs> yeah, I, I told Andre. I told Andre honestly, the only thing I would have done is maybe do some work in the bathroom. Maybe that's mm. it. This house was moving, oh. in my opinion. Oh, and replacing the carpet upstairs. That was it. Coming from the dude who spent 40 grand on a fish tank, you are disqualified. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Andre, hey, I'm on your side, man. I think you should. I, I watched your video I, with I, uh, Ryan. I actually got to see that. got recommended. And I love oh, nice. your visions. And I love Thank kind you. of what you, what, yeah, I love what you're trying to do there because um, at the end of the day, uh -huh. you want the place. You want the, you you spend a good amount of money uh, on this place, like you want it to be like what you want it to be, and not like yeah. cheap, like oh, I, exactly. I wish I had that. And you look at it every yeah. time. Yeah, like, you're gonna live there. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I've, I'm gonna spend kind of a lot of money on on the upgrades, but I think they're gonna <laughs> be super. Once once people see the end result, they'll 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 be shocked because it's you're gonna it's be in it over a million, aren't you? No, no. How much no, are you gonna spend? No. Uh, about a hundred. Okay. Well, that's not horrible. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I just think the, uh, I mean, it's different obviously for, for your incomes, but uh, I just hate spending money on real estate. It's just like renovating real estate. It all ends up going out of style. Like keep it simple. Like if for, for yours, I don't know. I kind of agree with Graham, like just paint carpet, <laughs> live in it for a bit and that's it. I got to know though, well, cause like, I think, I think you're also like tearing out the kitchen and, and you're doing the waterfall yeah. and, and extending the counters. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, you're killing me. Yeah. Like I was watching that video and I'm like, no, uh, but, but, <laughs> I, look, you got the money. I, I, okay. In fairness, I feel like we all have, we all have like one or two things that we, we can roast ourselves about, but we all get that one or two stupid things that we can justify and, sure. and whatever way we want. Cause like, this is true. You, Graham has the $300,000 car. Kevin has the Tesla. I don't know. The car doesn't lose value. <laughs> hey, Andre. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I got a way you can justify it. Remember, Graham and I, we were trying to get you to move to our neighborhood, and those yes. houses were like, I don't know, 1.5 million, let's say. So if you're yep. only in at 800, 900 after the remodel, you're looking good. Right? That's what I think. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Well. Andre would well, already okay. be up. 120 I, grand had he bought in our neighborhood back no, then. No, no, he would be up over $200,000. Oh, but yeah, anyways, my mistake. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a huge, like, I don't know. You guys know more about real estate than I do. But whenever well, I see a home I builder know. increase their prices, I don't see that as a legit increase. Yeah. Here, oh, here's what I got to know How much of that house is actually legal? Uh, because I don't think that studio at the bottom had any egress. I don't remember. Uh, and the second thing it I want to know is, it, it had a, it had a window. Yeah. No, no window. 
Oh no, no, not that studio. No. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if that's a legit room. Uh, but either way, uh, I, we do things in different a, in this Vegas. This is not in the neighborhood, right? Because this is not a tract home. It is in the neighborhood. It's a very unique. It's but no, it's, it's so neighborhood. unique. All, are it all is. of the homes in the neighborhood like that? Yeah. What? It's I've yeah. never seen that. It's really How cool. Old? How old? It's two thousand five, I believe. Two thousand five. They were doing the, the like the open beamed uh, metal yep. frame, a frame kind of ceiling or whatever. Yep. 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 And it's crazy because people look at it and they're like, eh, "It looks like a factory." It's like, dude, you guys have no imagination. Just wait until the furniture's put in. It looks <laughs> so cool. Yeah. yeah. Look, I I have no question. You're gonna make it look beautiful. Anytime I hear people spend big money on real estate, like I know it's gonna look beautiful, and you're gonna wake yeah. up and you're gonna love it. Uh, it's great. And look, it's your home. You got the money to spend on yeah. it. You got in before the market started bubbling up like crazy. I think you got, yeah. I got all, you got all the great opportunities. If you were going in like, oh, I'm turning this into a rental. I'd, I'd be coming no, over there. And you're right. I your would never do that. Yeah. Yeah. I would never do that to a rental. hundred percent. But I, I yeah. figure it's a good place to park my money for inflation. Okay, it's, a, it's a great place to put it. And I get 4,300 square feet. I can have a live-in editor if I need. So it helps me yeah. with YouTube. It's a, it's a it's a tax write off once I once yeah. I take the money out. It, it's it makes sense financially. It, it, yeah, it makes sense. What I'm shocked that's actually a neighborhood because when I first saw that video, I was like, for sure, this is some like spec built house that somebody just had their own vision in, uh, and those can be tough to resell with the spec houses. Yeah. But if this is a tract of homes like this, that's good. That's that makes me There's way like happier. No. There's only 24 homes in the community. It's like literally one okay. street. That's it. Yeah. Got it. I, I feel like so. that that's more your style, that place too, Andre. I, I, yeah. think, it's, yeah. I think it reflects you well. Yeah. And once you see it, it's going to be cool. But I, 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 I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I wish I could live in your guys' neighborhood. I just don't think it was a financially wise decision. And anyway, I couldn't do it. I didn't, I couldn't get approval. And there's no way I'm going to just drop 1.4 cash. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's yeah. a cool. House. I really like it yeah. a lot. It's a lot of space. It's huge. I called. I called Graham right before I put it in an offer. <laughs> He's like, "I'm gonna put it in an offer." No, I thought you were serious. He sent me the house, and I called him back because he wanted my thoughts. And I said, "I really like the house, man. Uh, which realtor are you using?" And he said, uh, "You know." Uh, what Corey's father and and so I said something like, "Can you give me his number?" He's like, "Why?" And because I'm gonna put in an offer. And like, really? I'm like, yeah, man. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I was looking for the perfect place. Like, I really like this a lot, and I'm gonna rent it out. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'll take a, yeah. Legit for a thirty seconds, I thought you were serious. I was like, this guy's a dick. <laughs> yeah. It was a it was a great house. I really. Well, liked well, it. Graham would have just resold it to Andre and then made a video, the $0 house. <laughs> I would have failed. I could have gotten it under contract and then just assigned uh, it to him. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> Wholesaling like exposed. Rented it, rented it to me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's honestly, Andre got a really cool place and I like oh, it you. a lot. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Nice. So you better have a live-in editor or somebody there to help you push out video a week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have two jacks, and then when they battle, they'll have we'll, we'll call it a jack. Never mind. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Oh, where do we go from there? <laughs> well, questions. Let's open it up to questions, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, we should. Do we have anything else we need to talk about before we, we do questions? Because once we start going on questions, we're not going back. We talked about what stocks, cryptos. Anybody buy any stocks or cryptos in the past week since last episode before we move on? I've always been doing that. I bought uh, bought more Palantir, 23. Bought some Fisker around 16. Enphase in the 150s again. Uh, picked up a little more Apple just because why not? Uh, then USCR. USCR? USCR. Which one's that? US Concrete? Yeah. Yeah, wow. in the, event, infrastructure. Yeah, the, the infrastructure plan gets pushed. I, I think they should do well. Okay. It's a concrete company? Yeah. That's random. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, Andre and Kevin, you guys buy anything this week? Crypto stocks? Just a, a thousand a day in Bitcoin. Okay. That's just what yeah. you do like every day. $1,000 Bitcoin, $1,000 Bitcoin. Yeah. Wow. Do you have a goal of how much Bitcoin you want to own? As far as like how much money you put 21. in? Like 21. I want to be what's called a millionaire. <laughs> what's, okay. what's that? A millionaire is, so there's 21 million Bitcoins ever in existence. If I own 21, that would be 121th. So a millionaire because there's 21 million. And if I own 21 of them, that's one one millionth. So I am oh. a millionaire. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just regret when I saw Bitcoin at like 3,500, four grand. And I'm just looking at that, just wishing I could have gone back and just put 40 grand in it. Just get 10. Just get 10 yeah. Bitcoin. Sure. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Kevin, are you still holding on to your Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. I haven't sold any of any Bitcoin. I haven't sold any Voyager. I just, I, I tend to be very sticky uh, when, when like I've bought something. Like I just, I can't sell it. I don't know. I think it's mostly because I regret it. You know, like the worst is when you sell something and then afterwards it, it always seems to go up. And so it's just like, well, if I don't sell, I'd never have to have that feeling. Right, right. Like Tattooed Chef? No, see, Tattooed <laughs> Chef, I sold at 24 and that dog went to 18. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm sure some guy no, sold Tesla at 900 too, okay? <laughs> I, I Look... I, I, what I said, I believe if, if tattooed had gone down to 17, I would have just bought right back into it. But I mean, look, I put that money into, into yeah. uh, other things hey, uh, that so I think will do well. What did you buy in the past week, Kevin? You know, my favorite play out of the last week has been, uh, I made this little pie on M1 finance for, for charging companies. Uh, and, and I've really enjoyed that. Well, not only has, has it done exceptionally well in, in just the last uh, week, which I couldn't have predicted it would happen so fast, but it's also kind of like that Biden play. And so what all I did is I took uh, Tesla, TPG, uh, CLII, Blink, uh, Chargepoint, and SNPR, all these guys, and I pretty much just equally weighted them uh, into a pie here. And this has done really well because the chargers have just been soaring like all of uh, all of the last week. They've been doing really well. So I've really enjoyed that. I, I'm tempted to maybe put some more uh, money into them just uh, uh, just because with this infrastructure push we're going to see and this push towards chargers, maybe a way to do it. And, and Tesla, how do you get more Tesla? Which anything that says Kevin gets more Tesla is like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you, did yeah. you see the planet numbers? 
I have Planet too. Planet did really well over the last few days. What I why? Well, yeah. What happened? I haven't paid attention to it. Dude, they did all they announced um so they announced actually Q4, but then they told mm. us like what the the March numbers were. They did almost 10 million oh. in the month of March, which what? you know is ridiculous. It's by far their record. In Vegas, we're not even close to being uh opened up. Like can you imagine? Wow. They're going to they're going to probably do 15 mil plus this summer. Never mind when the Orange County store opens, they could start pushing 17 million, 18 million a month. And analysts only have them at 127 mil for the entire year in 2021. I think that they could do 140, 150, if not 160 plus mil just this year. Um, so when, when did they release this? Yeah, yesterday after the bell. Oh, talking okay. about Tattoo Chef? Hmm. No, talking about the planet. Oh, the planet. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The planet. They put up some crazy numbers. Um, you know, and we're, you know, I, I think, I think the strip's going to be nuts this summer, June, July, August. I think we're going to be back. Um, and yeah, the planet did almost ten million in a month, um, in in March. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Like, you know, I, I think that this summer they're going to put up some crazy numbers. Um, oh yeah, here it is. 9.7 March Q1 yeah. revenue of 23.8 mil. Oh yeah, and that puts them on on par on pace basically for maybe 10 mil a month. Do you is there are, are and I don't know this, but do people mm -hmm. use the MJ more when they're stuck at home? Like if uh, we go into reopening, is there a, a downside risk there? I'm just asking that question because I, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, I mean uh, well, I mean, it's a little different situation with the planet since they only have one superstore right now and then they got the regional store. But they do most the deliveries. Are, yeah, and then they also do delivery. But most of the traffic for the planet still comes from tourists, um, like probably 60%. Um, and the summer it could push up higher. So at the end of the day, the busier the strip is, the more people that are on the strip, like the better it is for the planet. Mm. Um, and it's a driving destination. So people don't have to sit next to some rando on a plane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody pretty much Ubers there, uh, unless you brought your own car out from California yeah. or whatever. What's going to be interesting is when that Orange County store opens in July, though, because that's going to be a change in their demographic. Um, because, I mean, there's still a ton of tourists that go to Orange County, obviously, you know, Disneyland and all those other places. But that's going to be interesting. That, I don't know if you've seen, you know, the Orange County store, but it looks like it's going to be amazing, man. Where are you oh, buying yeah, this stock? I buy it on Fidelity. Fidelity, okay. Oh, they started construction on the Orange location in Feb on, on Feb third. We should go visit that like grand opening day because I've got three hundred k or whatever in in Planet. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would I would love to check it out. I I think it's going to ramp nicely. I feel like there's probably already a lot of people in Orange County that probably already know the company just from coming out to Vegas and maybe uh, visiting this one or hearing from friends or family. Because it's funny, when everybody goes to the store, they take pictures right out in front because they got that huge waterfall with the Planet 13. Yeah. So people put it all over their Instagram and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, anyways, the, that was that's the one I've been buying heavy. I bought, do you guys you know, think it's undervalued right now? or I do because the numbers that they're going to put up are so much better than I expected. I, I thought I was in line with analysts. I thought maybe 120, 130 mil they'll do in 2021. But if they're already doing 10 mil a month, Never mind as Vegas comes back, the, the Vegas store alone could be doing 12, 14 mil, I think, this summer, if not a little more. Right. And then you got Orange County store opening. That's a super store opening in July. Then they can start getting their product throughout California because right now you can't because you can't ship over, over state lines. 
Uh, but once they are actually producing the product in California, they can start getting their branded products into other dispensaries. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think the story is a lot better there than than what I initially thought it was. So, and they should be yeah, profitable this year, right? Uh, yeah, probably not a huge profit because they have to ramp that that California store, so that's going to be costly, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if it if it opens and it's packed from day one, you know that's going to be a cash flow machine. The product they sell is very very profitable, obviously. Um, so, but yeah, and, and they got they got nine figures of cash now on the balance sheet. So I don't even think they need to raise money anymore. I think, you know, as a business just has profits pour in, they can, they can get five, 10 superstores and then go from there. But, um, but yeah, anyways, we'll, we'll see. So yeah, let's open it up to questions, guys. Uh, Kevin, if you want to put up questions, we'll do maybe 15 minutes of Q and a, and, uh, hopefully we get some good ones tonight. We need some good questions, guys. Lightning round, get the music going. By the way, while we're waiting for questions, make sure to subscribe. We're so close to 100,000 subscribers, guys. So if you're not already subscribed, you're watching this, it takes you a quick second. Just go over to the little subscribe button and then destroy it. it takes you just <laughs> – it doesn't cost you anything, and it's so much fun to annihilate. And, and then when you're done with that, hit the notification bell so that next week you could be notified. But uh, Jeremy promised us that once we had 100,000 subscribers, he said he was going to be buying a million dollars of the Bitcoin. What? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But maybe we can get him to do a hundred thousand. Oh my gosh! Don't forget, because you're gonna forget if you don't do it right now. Just do it really quick. And don't forget to smash the thumbs up button. And also, don't forget to put on notifications. And don't forget to check out Millennial Money's Clips channel after this ends. (laughs) Oh yeah, that's right. We got the clips channel now. Yeah, hopefully that's in description or pin comment or something. Yeah. Anyways. Um, all right. Somebody asked here, is Planet and Voyager buys at these prices also Coinbase IPO or nah? Um, do you want to take it, Kevin, or you want me to take it? Oh, um, ah, gosh. You know, Coinbase is – I'm very interested in Coinbase. I'm, I feel like slightly more interested in Voyager because all of the spotlight is going to be on Coinbase. What's going to happen my, – my take on Coinbase – is what's going to happen is this thing's going to skyrocket, which obviously makes me want to potentially be a part of it, because uh, who doesn't want to be part of a rocket ship? Uh, <laughs> after it skyrockets to, you know, I, I think this thing could easily price over a thousand bucks a share, which will be insane. The thing will be so expensive that they should end up doing a ten to one split. Then what's going to happen is they'll do a ten to one split, and it'll skyrocket again. I got a whole script, okay? It's going to go, you know, two, $300 again. And people will be like, geez, man, this cash cow is like, I need more Bitcoin businesses. That's obviously where the stock returns are. It's like, instead of recovery plays, it's going to be, we need Bitcoin stocks. And, and then all of a sudden people are going to go, Oh, Voyager, cheap. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's potentially yeah. a little bit of what I see. Now, I think there's a little, there's potentially... I mean, it's hard to say, but it's potentially more risk with a Voyager. Uh, you know, Voyager offers you higher interest rates uh, than BlockFi does. They offer you uh, interest on more currencies. I don't know how they're hedging all of that risk or how they're working all that out. That's the big, the big, uh, you know, red flag I still have with cryptocurrency in general. But that doesn't mean I'm not in it. So, Coinbase I haven't decided yet. Voyager. I, you know, look, if this thing had a nice little sell-off again, I'd add to it, although I do have a good position in it right now. Uh, and then what was the other one? Uh, I have Voyager. Oh, Planet, Planet. Um, 
you know, I don't know that I would buy it off off a run uh, like what we just had the last few days. But uh, cannabis is so cyclical. It's almost like you could kind of buy them when, when they sell off 20 20 percent because it happens all the time. <laughs> but I like I planet just, too. I was just waiting for you to say something negative so I could attack you. <laughs> no, no, planet's good. Like the, the thing about the can, the whole cannabis industry though, it's really crazy because like they, those stocks can be so in. For like two, like a saw, like after the election, for example, cannabis was like, you could not lose money on cannabis through like the end of January. Uh, but really like the last two months, most cannabis plays have just been sucking. It's been very bad. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my opinion, we already talked about planet. I want to talk about that Voyager, you know, huge upside potential there still. Um, Coinbase IPO. I don't know. I've got to really look at the prospectus. I'll have to look at it more in depth. Um, 700 pages yeah yeah i don't know if i'll make it through all of them but i'll try and then uh i'll have to look at where the valuation's at too because i don't know where they're going to price at versus where they're at today um so there's a, there's yeah. a lot i got to do there i'm definitely interested in voyager and coinbase when it ipos for sure yeah Grim. um i don't know I, i'm not so much into uh gosh i i invested a little bit in planet 13 not much and i'm not invested in voyager so uh coinbase is interesting to me though so i want to see what it opens at but i might yeah i might <laughs> i might wait for it to settle down before i invest in that all right next question why aren't you guys looking into iGaming? huge growth sector ground floor uh, only up from here, Tam gets bigger and bigger. Uh, that one I don't know anything about, so I can't comment. I don't know if any of you guys know that I'm stock. Sure. Don't follow. You know, the, the Penn National Gaming, the DraftKings, the Genogs, it's a very interesting space. I, I just don't do any of the gambling, so it's hard for me to know. What I can say is when I play Rust, People love the idea that in Rust, they now have poker tables and you could take some of the material that you need and bet it. And people will spend hours and hours playing poker in a game. So it's like they're playing the game of poker in another game. And so like, yeah, I mean, look, I remember back when AOL had just like playing competitive chess online. That stuff gets addicting. I, I could I could see these being very, very profitable businesses, but I just haven't gone deep on them. Uh, okay, let's go to, go to another one here. What's uh, here, here, Graham, real estate question. Yeah. You take it away. Recently bought first house, three to two, okay, 5% down conventional, 3%, bought an appraisal, uh, $310,000. Will be an area long-term St. Petersburg, Florida. Okay. Advice, HOA doesn't allow renting. Found you guys too late. Eh, kind of common. Usually a lot of HOAs are about Airbnbs. So like that off the bat. Yeah. I've never seen an HOA straight up saying you can't rent anything at all. Sometimes I've seen where they don't want all of them turning into a rental all at once. So sometimes I've seen like you almost have to be on a list in order to rent your home. And you know, when it comes available, then it's your turn. I've never seen an HOA just straight up ban renting, but I mean, I mean, it is what it is. You know, it, it's, too late now. Kevin, what do you think on that? Yeah, it, it is too late now. Uh, that's one of the first questions you should always find out when it comes to a buying a property if in an HOA is, are there any rental restrictions? It's one of the first questions that I always ask on behalf of my clients as, as, as a realtor. Uh, and uh, it, it, it's because to me, uh, people should be buying homes with the intention of keeping them and renting them out. The downside is 
Most people think I'm crazy when I say that. Most people hear this, like, no, 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 I'll live here for a few years, then I'll sell it and I'll go buy something else. Fine. Uh, but but yeah, that that conventional uh, Did teaching just uh, yep. does lead to those problems. <laughs> hey, Graham, you missed it, man. You were too busy reading that question. I bought, a, I bought a roulette wheel, Graham. No. <laughs> Dude, look at how nice this thing is. I bought it for like 250 bucks. It's like, Let's see. Look at this. I'm gonna I'm gonna make Rick. so much money off you oh, when I move next door, dude. It rolls so good too. It's like, wow. dude, it's amazing. Wow. All right, we'll have fun with that then. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I can't wait till the house is done, man. You're, yes. You're gonna pay my mortgage over there, man. <laughs> oh gosh. Let's go okay. to the next question here, Kevin. Next question. Uh, hmm. Let's see here. Uh, okay. Video game companies can make money from in-app purchases, which are usually gambling for rewards. Uh, okay. Makes more money than the actual games. New. Okay. Here we go. Ooh, uh, new investor. Should I put my first ten thousand dollars in five high conviction stocks or twenty-five well diversified? Uh, I'm all for five high conviction. I would actually say three to four <laughs> high conviction. I might be a little higher risk than, than other folks, but I'm like, yeah, definitely high conviction. Like you got to focus on growth. It's better to get that experience of dealing with the volatility um, and, and kind of not sucked into the whole ETF thing, my personal opinion. But it, it's also if you want to put in the work, right? You got to do the research work. If you're, I don't say lazy, but you don't want to do the research work, then, you know, just put in an ETF. I think it depends what high conviction stocks there yeah. are. Like, like how how well researched is this? Is this based on someone from you know the internet saying, "Oh, I went all in on this." You're like, "There we go, high conviction." Uh, or is it like the Jeremy level and Kevin level research where you really dig into it? And you're like, "Okay, I'm gonna I, I take the risk on this." Otherwise, I would probably recommend the 25, unless you're really well researched on that five. Also depends yeah, on their the age. It depends on the age. Yeah. Oh, uh, tell me, tell us about that, Andre. Yeah, it just depends on what their goals are. If they're older and if they're near retirement, then they probably want to stick to something that's an ETF that's more, that's less volatile, you know. But if they're yeah. younger and they want to take the risk, then definitely the five high conviction stocks. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, but also, what Graham said is so so right on that you just hear somebody go, "Oh, this stock's going to the moon" or whatever. You buy it and have no idea why the other person has conviction in it. Or maybe you forgot why the other person has conviction. And right. then the stock goes down. The first natural thing, and I see this in the comments all over YouTube, is always like, oh my gosh, it just went down 10%. Should I sell? Like, what's happening? What's happening? Uh, it, it, and you, if you've got really good conviction on something, you, you, you don't even care. Like, you just laugh that crap off. Uh, the news cycle, you got to be able to laugh off. And if, if you're getting concerned, thinking you should sell because of the news cycle and stocks, uh, you, sh you have too few stocks. <laughs> right. Yeah. In, in other words, diversify more. <laughs> okay. What else? I don't know. Do we have more questions? We got a lot more questions. We got five minutes. Let's do five more minutes of Q&A. And then cool. we'll wrap up. All right, Kevin. Pick a few more. We need uh, good okay, ones, I have a Kevin. question. I have, I have a question while I wait for some more to be posted here. Uh, Jeremy, I don't think we've ever asked you, are you mortgaging all your places or what are you doing yourself with your real estate? You're turning into a mogul over there. <laughs> I don't know about that, 
but yeah, I always do 20%, 20% down and then I'll just, um, yeah, I'll finance the rest. And I think they're all financed at pretty much, um, I want to say maybe under 3%. Um, so yeah, yeah. So, so I'm pretty happy with that, but yeah, I, I, you know, the whole paying cash thing, I don't think it makes sense. If you can mortgage at two or 3%, like, you know, just my personal opinion. Um, you know, if I was you, Andre, I would, I would definitely try to get that money out. If you have plans for the money, that's the big thing. Assuming that the real estate market is going to do okay in the next two years, because that would suck if it went down and it dropped and I wouldn't be able to take out what I paid for it. So yeah, that would, yeah, Yeah. that would be insane. That would be no bueno, no bueno. Hopefully real estate market is going to go up and we get Kevin's prediction to be right. I think yeah. you're going to be okay. I mean, I'm just, the, the issue is I'm just, the, the biggest downside risk for real estate now is, is rates just skyrocketing. You know, right. Fed Jerome Powell comes out on Saturday drunk. Guys, I effed up. Rates going up tomorrow, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, what do you think reasonably it could go up to in the next two years? 4%? What's like, what's a reasonable Oh, yeah, yeah. 4% easy. Uh uh, I don't. I don't think we're gonna hit five again. You know, four, okay. four and a quarter. We could revisit that. That wouldn't even be so bad. Four point five, maybe. Uh, but I think that'll settle back down to four and under. You know, like three eight, somewhere around there. Well, that still makes sense to to cash out refi at at, at like a four. Yes, <laughs> it would, right? Yeah, yeah totally, man. I'd I'd cash out refinance even if it was six. Cause I'm gonna right. go put. I'm gonna go make more tendies than that. Make make <laughs> make that extra one percent in the market. <laughs> I'm gonna print. Uh, I'm gonna print that extra money. Hey, uh, there's a, there's an interesting question here. It says, yeah. "How did you guys first get together? What's the origin story of Millennial Money by Romir?" Uh, I'll, Ooh, I'll speak on that first. Yeah, if we can kind of go around the table. Uh, Graham reached out to me, if I recall, or we were talking through, I think Snapchat back then or something. Yeah. Uh, and I remember you came, yeah, you came over to that one house we were living at. And, um, I remember it was our first time meeting and we went to the backyard to, to chat and whatnot. And I remember you, you, you had to, uh, buy a laptop. That was a deal that p- specific day it was such a Graham like thing to do. You were like, Oh, sorry about this. Uh, but I, there's just this deal on B&H photo or whatever. And it's just for this, this certain period of time. And I got to get this deal. You mind if I just buy it? And I was like, no, go ahead, man. That's, that's oh, fine. Yeah. yeah. Kevin, uh, I think I invited you to, um, when, when Graham and I did the conference, I think that was our first time we met, if I recall, or something mm-hmm. around there. Um, and then Andre, I reached out to you when um, I saw you post a few finance videos. And I was like, oh, this guy's this guy's going to this guy's gonna be a, a winner. I can already I tell like- in. Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, you you had a really small channel, but you I could imagine. You sent me a voice memo on Instagram. You were like, "Hey, dude, I noticed your videos. We're hosting a get together." And then that's when I came over and I saw all of you guys. I met yeah. everybody. It was you know Nate O'Brien, and it was a, it was a, a dentist. It was like a bunch of people. Yeah, and then, yeah. Uh, I was like, I remember Macy being shocked. She's like, "Oh my god." You and Graham are so similar. <laughs> so I remember that she was reacting, and uh, that was a cool. That was a cool time. That was before COVID. Yeah. What, what about what about um, uh, Kevin? How'd you how'd you meet everybody? Kevin made a video on me. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. What I what Graham Stefan isn't telling you. Yeah, and then you made that. me kill the algorithm. 
Yeah. Well, what happened was that uh, this is back when I was like still actively working as an agent. And what would happen is that when you typed in my name, Graham Stephan, the first thing that would come up is what Graham Stephan is. <laughs> and I guarantee like my clients would not sit there like watching the whole video. Right. Kevin popping out of a bush. Right. What I want to tell people is that instead of putting 20% down, you could put 3% down to buy real estate like Kevin. <laughs> but but just the thumbnail was just me like like that made it look like I was scamming people, you know. He's like, a scammer. I, so I reached out to Kevin, asked if he could change the title, and we compromised in that he would change the title, but we would do a video together. And so we met up, hit it off, and we became friends. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. You negotiated that. You were like, I'm not taking it down. I'm going to make a video. That video kept getting pushed by the algorithm a lot. And back then, Kevin's channel was like maybe a few thousand subscribers. And yeah. so for 12. him, 12,000. Yeah, so no, him, no, no, no. 12. Yeah. 12. I posted that video with 12 subs. <laughs> wow. What's so weird is yeah. it's so weird now because like I post the video and like usually we look at our analytics. It's like, oh, how are our videos doing? Because it's like our yeah. main thing now. So it's so weird to think that when I posted that video, I uploaded it, thumbnailed it, posted it. I didn't look at my analytics for two weeks. And then I come back and I look, I go, what? 900 subscribers? What? It's crazy. <laughs> that's that's crazy. so cool. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I remember seeing that video and I was like, who's this guy? I didn't even really know Graham at that time, but I was like, I, I didn't like you, man. I was like, oh, this is <laughs> coming in here. Making making uh, names off other people's names. Who's he think he is? <laughs> yeah, coming out of places, we felt we thought it was weird that you were like in a playground filming, like coming <laughs> out of slide, coming down a slide, and like on a swing set, jumping off and like going yeah. down to the camera. <laughs> Strange, dude. I discovered Kevin when he had when you did the Apple credit card. Do you remember that video? Whoa, really. Yeah, and then I discovered Graham when he made the Apple sued me video. And I was like, this guy popping up on my feed. And then I'm like, oh, that's cool. We got the same lamp. That's, oh, we both talk about finance. Not a big deal. And then, like, the more I watched, I'm like, Jesus Christ, we're like related or something. <laughs> we have like the same interest. It was crazy. Uh, I still man. got it. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Nice. This is where it belongs. It never gets swiped. But I have wow. and then I saw and then I saw a collab between Jeremy and Graham where you were interviewing each other and you guys both did a video together and you were comparing incomes that month and then and then you were like, Oh, what are you at? And then Jeremy, you had the bigger channel than Graham at the time, and you were like, Oh, I'm at thirty thousand this month. And Graham's like, Oh man, I'm you got me beat. I'm I'm in the twenties. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch your guys' videos like every week for inspiration. It would be like three AM and I'm writing a video. And I would watch those income videos that you guys would put out. They were so Dude, inspiring. Back, back then, I was obsessive mm. about YouTube. I, I can only imagine, you know, where I would have gone if I was stayed that level obsessive. I just got distracted, man. But back then, like to give you some reference, I would have real time views open constantly. Oh, I yeah. would wow. constantly be on Social Blade, checking other people's channels, making sure Ooh. I was like number one in like the finance space, and like no one was beating me. Dude, it was. It was scary. And then finally, I think it was like 2018, uh, my focus just went to other things. But dude, like I'm telling you, like 2017, 16, I was obsessive, like scary obsessive. Like, right. Yeah. Anyways. And, and the crazy thing was like to get 5,000 views back then or even like 8,000 views was like big. On a finance. Yeah. 
on a finance video. Yeah, which was unheard of. It was like, what? People making money videos are getting views. Right. Uh, crazy. I, I never look at my analytics, like not even at the peak of like, you know, when I was like crazy, I never look at analytics. I just feel like you can't influence anything. All it's doing is making you more depressed. You're like, yep. you can't influence people's decisions. So I don't even spend time looking yeah, you at it. Can. I'll look yeah. at it. I'll look at it just to see if I want to change the title and thumbnail to that degree. Yes. But like, as far as all the other stuff, I just don't care. It, it's kind of like watching stock prices all day. Like, you know, let's say yeah. you're a long-term you can keep checking the stock price or Bitcoin price or whatever. And it's like, right. you're, you're really just wasting time. You know, you like, are exactly. Yeah, you're not selling it. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, man. Oh my gosh. It's just, it's crazy to think back then, but you anyways, guys, what, what's that? Guys, what's that? Andre? Do you guys do Graham and Kevin, do you guys look at your analytics still like oh, yeah. thoroughly? Yeah. Yeah. First thing when I wake up, Last thing before I go to bed, every hour and a half in between. Uh, three, even even this channel, I check the analytics constantly. Wow. What about you, Kevin? I can't do it. I, I no, I actually very much agree with Andre here that uh, comparison is the theft of joy. And if I sat on Social Blade, at least me, I mean, every person's different, but I'd just be depressed and sad. Uh, and yeah. so now. I just found uh, my solution has been I post the video and then, uh, you know, if I think, oh, like I should check to see how that video is doing, if I should change the title before I'm allowed to do that, I have to have my next video ready to post. That nice. way, if it sucks, I'll just post another video. Yeah. <laughs> right. See, that's, that's the benefit of making more videos a week than like three or the two that I'm doing. If one fails, I'm like, oh, I'm not going to have another one for like five days. Yeah. So that's that's the benefit is putting out more. Sure. The, the days when all the videos are sucking is the day you got to have like 20 videos. <laughs> right, right, right. Dude, I, I'm so bored with YouTube uh, that I'm doing side projects now. So I'm building up financial education three to 100,000 and I'm just not even going to post there. And then I'm going to start posting like crazy on the main channel. And I'm letting the main channel and the second channel kind of die. I'm just so bored with it now. Like I'm just doing side projects now. You know what I mean? Like I don't I, know I'm if just, I believe you. Dude, I've been I've been going hard since 2016. So like now I'm just like uh, now I just want to do stuff for fun. So yeah, I'm gonna build I'm build financial education three to 100k so I can get another plaque for that. I'll get a plaque for this channel. Hopefully a plaque for Millennial Money Clips. So I'll have like five or six plaques, and then I'm gonna try to take the main channel to gold um, and just go ham on on content and then quit YouTube. Cause I have nothing to go once, after. Once you get the gold button, that's when you'll be happy. I promise life will just make sense and you'll be happy forever. That's all you need. Gold, <laughs> gold button. A gold play button. <laughs> you know that hole in your heart that we all have? It's filled with the gold button. The, then it's about the uh, diamond button after that. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Graham, you might, you of us, you might, you might have the most realistic chance of going to, going to diamond someday, man. Uh, I, I want, I want to get there at some point. You're gonna you're yeah. gonna have to go hard for at least another two three years if you want to go there. Yeah, probably probably within four to five, but we'll see. Five. I mean, even if I scale back at some point to two videos a week, uh, as long as I think they're good. You can't scale back. Ah, okay. I'll keep three videos a week. Yeah, you you gotta you gotta go hard, man. If you <laughs> trust me, yeah. once you start going down, the algorithm's like. Yeah, I know. I know. We'll see. 
We'll see. The next one, we just want to get to five at this point. So just keep chugging along. We should ask people watching, are you guys watching finance channels less? Because all of our views are dipping. <laughs> I, I just, I, people are less, there's not much going on right now. So that's the thing. Yeah, I guess. Nothing yeah. exciting. Just expose each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> suing, suing Kevin. Suing <laughs> Graham. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah, I'm suing Graham. I have beef with Kevin. Andre, you're too unproblematic. Un <laughs> I was reading comments before this video on the last video. And somebody's like, Andre, he's just so unproblematic. He's you know, so, so, so cool to be there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just here to diffuse the tension. Yeah. 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 And I feel yeah. like my job's to make the tension. Anyways, we need to wrap this up. Graham, Graham yeah. take us home. Take us home, Graham. So with that said, you guys, okay, no, for real, <laughs> before you leave, <laughs> We gotta get to a hundred thousand subscribers. So Jeremy buys Bitcoin. If you want Jeremy to buy Bitcoin, go and subscribe. Maybe if we get to a hundred thousand really fast, he'll even buy some Ethereum. So we just need you to go and subscribe. Hit the like button. Hit the notification bell. All of our information is down below in the description, as well as the clips channel. So subscribe to that too, so you can see little bits and clips if uh, if you happen to miss an episode, which you shouldn't. Uh, but uh, that that's it. I think we're good to go. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Peace right. out. Yeah. Subscribe. Oh, do I have to stop the video now? <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.